Welcome back to Tipsy Theology. This is episode 21, and according to the physician Duncan McDougall, uh, the weight of a human soul is tw- is 21 grams. Interesting. So what he did was he calculated the weight of a person before and after their death and came up with 21 grams. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, this is episode 21, and if episodes were years, we could legally drink. Could, finally. Cheers to that. <laughs> finally, you're able to imbibe <laughs> you're right. uh, you know, appropriately. <laughs> well, hey, today I, I wrote it down so I didn't forget anything. Okay. Well, okay. That's today good. we're going to be talking about art and faith with Dr. Daryl Ward, former public school educator and administrator who studies and writes and sometimes talks. Yes, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> about creativity, the creative act, and how storytelling makes us better humans. Yeah. That's a great little intro. I love that. I I, I wrote it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Just a little, you know, a little example of your skills. (laughs) You know, I'm going to do my best. But yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, it's been a long time coming. We talked uh, for a few months now. We met you guys and hey, let's let's get together sometime. Had to clear a few things, which we did. And so we waited the storm and we did. did, So (laughs) yeah, there was a few times where it was like, oh, cool. We can have you on now. You're like, hey, let's wait a little bit longer. Longer. Like, oh, (laughs) you're teasing us. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope it's worth it, but but it's been, it's been a long time coming. I'm excited to be here. So yeah, you know, it's great having you. Uh, And I think just starting off, you might be our our favorite or best guest? Yeah, because I brought all the booze. <laughs> you did. <laughs> so you did all the heavy lifting. I, for years, <laughs> for years, I used to do training for public school educators, and I really, I liked it, but I, I never really felt I was doing very good at it, and I wanted mm. to quit. And one of the head ladies like, "No, you can't quit. You, we always get such great reviews." And I said, "That's because I feed them and let them go early. <laughs> yeah. Of course, they give me of good course. reviews. It has nothing to do with my. It's competency. a give and take relationship, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's not anything like that. So, but." But yeah, I, I um, have a little maker's mark. I thought that was appropriate. Perfect. You yeah. Know, because we're talking about the maker and his mark on us. And so we'll, we'll share that. So, you know, as I shared earlier before we went on the air, the interesting thing about this is, you know, I don't really drink bourbon. So mm. this might be a really interesting podcast. You know, first of all, I'm not <laughs> sure I can get the lid off. I think, is that a cork? If it's a cork. Or is that a twisty boy? I know sometimes they switch it up yeah, with that's makers. That's a little cork. There, oh, sweet. So. You know, we think the audience can't see, but we have a little round. Um, it does my ice. soul good to see <laughs> these beautiful rocks. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. And so we're going to. We've got these great swan. Are these handmade? I, I believe so. Picked them up at Scout and Tag here locally in Lakeland. Great store. Oh, yeah. And so uh, that was cool. So, We've got nice little swans on it, yeah, too. Yeah, swan. So cheers. cheers. All right. I've been told by my son, who is a bourbon aficionado, but aficionado, sip, dad. Don't go. <laughs> So, <laughs> Sip it. Mm. Good stuff, right? That is good. I yeah. like that. What What are your thoughts as a, I guess, as a non-bourbon, not a, a non-bourbon drinker? It burns. <laughs> it's a good right? burn, I'm right? I'm more of a craft beer guy. Yeah. So it burns. But it's an interesting story, this 46, without getting into too much detail. When I went to the distillery tour and they're telling you, you know, they're selling stuff, right? That's what they're doing. But they're telling yeah. their stories. And the guy was trying to explain how basically bourbon, you know, it it's wood, hmm. you know, that flavors it. Uh, and in this instance, they took oak barrels and put different combinations of burnt wood hmm. in the oak. In, I mean, in the in the bourbon, yeah, yeah, to get a flavor. And this one is called forty six because that was the forty sixth 
variation of oh, the oak staves and it was the one that cool. the owner liked and so here we go i first have there's like 46 different burnt woods in it yeah. <laughs> like, no, no i, I think like, there's only seven but um but that's yeah, cool it's, it's got that's a nice cool. little rich rich caramelly flavor to it it's not bad it kind of adds a lot to just the normal maker's mark flavor mm -hmm. which i i still enjoy but it is like a more basic bourbon right bourbon. compared yeah. to some of the, the this, fancier ones yeah the exactly. Buffalo trace ones and all that yeah and this kind of adds like a level of complexity which makes it more fun to sip honestly yeah. yeah i think it'll be good so there we go and we have you know we have some beer as a backup i bought some um, <laughs> copper tail brewing unholy because i think oh yeah we have belgian yeah, triple yeah, but yeah. unholy would be great to talk that's about. one of train eyes favorites yeah, it's, a good, it's, a really, it's a it's a serious uh beer with its, it's alcohol true. content so you have to be careful with that one but uh, it is it tastes great good, it is yeah. good beer. so we'll see we'll just it is a bit unholy i'll say it that. is that they, they... I, the one thing i love about that and i said it the one episode we had it on is the artwork is amazing. Yes, on it. there. It's so good. If you, if you ever get a chance to go, if you haven't to over there, brewery over in Tampa, mm. um, it's near IKEA, so that helps everybody. Okay, sweet. Um, you can build a yeah, you, build you a build cabinet a, while you're. You should probably do it after you go. I don't know before. Have a after, celebratory after, beer. Near, yeah, <laughs> like, I survived IKEA. Let's go to the brewery. Right. That's what I do with my wife. You're like, I need to go to IKEA. All right, but I'm going to Coppertail. That's you're what right. I tell her. Because, um, but they have great artwork in there. You'd really like. It's a great, oh, that's great cool. brewery, great uh, um, tasting room, and so forth. But yeah, one of Tampa's. You know, Tampa has some super craft brewers, and that's a great. Oh one. wow! Yeah, because I know I've been to Cigar City, and that one's really mm -hmm. good. Cigar City is good. Um, yeah, that, they're they're very good. And they've got good food too. I was surprised by that. Yeah, that's an upgrade recently for them. They didn't used oh. to really have. There used to be um the food truck people, you know, like a lot of the brewers okay. do. Um, but yeah, they're they're really good. Cigar City yeah, is, is a good one. So. That's cool. So let me ask before we jump into everything. Yeah, we like to ask this of our guests. What are your thoughts on alcohol? We know that we're drinking mm. publicly too. <laughs> I guess relatively publicly. Yeah, I, I think that it it's um like a lot of of things that are in the world. There's a moderate moderation aspect to it, mm -hmm. and um, I think a lot of it. You know, I, I had some discussion with some people about what some people believe. Mm. Many, many actually, is the biblical prohibition against drinking, which I I personally. I grew up in the Baptist church, so that was prevalent, right? Yeah. You don't drink, yeah. you don't dance. Somehow those are connected, <laughs> right? I don't know. Um, and I didn't grow up drinking, hmm. and I didn't even drink in college. And ironically, or ironically is not the right word. Interestingly, it had nothing to do with my spirituality at the time. Hmm. It had more to do with the the personal impact alcohol had on someone close to me. So oh, that okay. caused me to say, yeah. you know, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. Which I, so I was great. My buddies loved me in college because I was like the designated <laughs> driver. We'd go to clubs and bars. I'm like, yeah, I'll drive. I'm not drinking. You know, they're like, let's go, Daryl. You know, like, I, was real, I was real popular because I, I didn't drink. Um, but as an adult, you know, I, I, I kind of beer was never something I got into. And then mm. I had a really good friend who said, well, you need to try some really good German beer. Mm. And he was kind of he, he turned me into a beer snob. So uh, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. good. And I got into different craft beers. You know, but like I, I'm not a. I'm not a Mick Ultra guy. I'm not a Bud yeah. Light guy. I just can't, I can't really do, in fact, I don't really care for lagers too much at all mm. for that reason. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that it, I think like everything, it can be abused and, and I don't yeah. think it's, um, I mean, if you're drinking, if you're drinking alcohol to escape, just like if you're smoking pot to escape, mm. just like if you're watching pornography to escape, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not equating them except to say this attempt to escape reality. Yeah speaks to an underlying spiritual condition in a lot of cases, mm. right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying 
that pornography by itself is good. Or I, mean, I don't mean that. I'm just sure, saying that sure. there's there's an instance where when I'm using uh, worldly flesh things to escape whatever my reality is, that that's you know that's a that's a whole other podcast probably. But that's sure. kind of how I look at that. <laughs> I mean, honestly. So yeah, that's great. And it sounds like you kind of enjoy it the same way I do. As far as alcohol is, I enjoy the art of it. I enjoy mm -hmm. the. Just I enjoy the flavor, mm -hmm. which you don't hear many people say probably. But right. I know. Yeah. Some people drink beer because they like to get drunk. I just think it tastes good. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, you, that does put you in the minority. But it's yes. true. It's very true. Yeah. Even among beer people, it's like, <laughs> they're like, really? I don't know. That's not what I drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I actually, I do. I agree with you. I, I think I, I don't have a particularly, um, my wife has gotten me in the last several years and my son and daughter-in-law into developing a little bit better of a palate of, mm. of a wine palate. Oh, right. Okay. I happened yeah. to go to Italy and have some amazing wine in Tuscany. I'm like, okay, it's, it's kind of flexing funny. on us over well, here. Yeah, well, no, here's what's <laughs> funny about that. I don't know if the if the listeners feel the same way, but there's got to be some weird level or threshold, I would say, of palate development. Like, right. So here's what mm. I mean. I have people all the time say, "Man, this is great barbecue," and I love barbecue. Yeah. And I eat the barbecue, and I go to myself, "This is really good barbecue," but I don't know if it's great. I can't tell hmm. the difference. I can tell the difference between good and awful. Yeah. But good and great, and, and I'm using barbecue as an example. I'm sorry. I don't have that much. <laughs> it's just burnt meat with sauce on it. I mean, it's good. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And so sometimes that's the same way for me with, with other kind of thing. And I'm not I'm not dissing anybody who sure. has a refined taste <laughs> yeah. who can tell, yes, there's slight notes of oak and uh, earthiness to it. Okay. It just tastes like wine to me. <laughs> so- <laughs> I, you know, I, I, that's my kind of troglodyteness. I'm coming back out, just give me the wine kind of thing. <laughs> I'd I, love to have some. <laughs> yeah, right. But I am developing a little bit yeah. better. I mean, I can taste it a little bit different. Part of my issue, without getting too personal, is I don't have a really good sense of smell. Mm. I just don't. And so my wife's like, "How can you taste anything?" And <laughs> and she's right. I mean, I can Dang. taste, but it's like that. It's like I, so that, especially with things like wine, right? That mm. really inhibits it. Um, and I, so when I was, I told you about the bourbon, when I was doing the tasting at the maker's market, everybody's swirling around, smelling <laughs> I'm doing the same thing going, they're just, sniffing it. Like yeah. <laughs> it smells like alcohol, right? I can tell that, but that's about it. That's, that's as good as that's it gets. Funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on like this weird precipice where I probably think I know more than I really do as far as like palate goes. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm the same way with food. It's like, do I like it or do I not like yeah. it? Start if something there. is like very, very good, I can recognize yeah. like the artisan side of it right where it's like yeah the chef obviously knows what he's doing because this is very good um, but but if you're like me but to be able to like pull it apart and like no i need like well maybe, <laughs> yeah except maybe not in some things right it's just weird how it does that to you like for there i grew up um my my family was from the panhandle of florida mm. and they were oystermen so i grew up eating oysters like popcorn i, I didn't oh, know people thought wow. they were weird because I, 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 I just ate them. so yeah. i have a really refined palate for oysters i mean i can mm. tell you i can't I'm not, i mean i can't tell you where it's from necessarily i mean but i can i can really taste the differences in the oysters wow. love pacific northwest oysters you know grew up eating gulf oysters yeah and also anyway wow that in that area for some reason that palate get, has been honed but mm. in other areas it just is like yeah it's good That's barbecue funny. <laughs> yeah, sure yeah, is. Sure, it tastes good. It tastes good. <laughs> I that's, right. I feel like that with uh, cupcakes. Cupcakes. My sister's a uh, baker. All right. One of the things that she does, and she's kind of spoiled me because she's been baking for a long time. So we've we've gotten you know the full range of practice. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and then right. now like the very high she's quality. A, yeah. And so when I taste like anything store bought, I'm like, 
that? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point too. And and I sort of sometimes feel that way about craft beers. Like you get some really good ones and you get used to those and you get some. Yeah. No, not, not real, not real good. Yeah. True. So yeah, I get, I get you. I'm with you. I'm with you. But art and faith. Yeah. I kind of feel like with that, Paul, it's, it's, the, you know, there's a little bit, I should probably begin with the, that kind of like onion metaphor, right? You know, yeah. where you keep peeling back the layers, hoping you're going to get to the bottom or to the heart of the onion. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you can get to the heart of it, but by then you're like in tears because it's an <laughs> onion. So you just quit. <laughs> yeah. Right. True. And I, I hope that when we talk about art and faith, that's not where we get to, you know, that, that, you know, I hope we can get to something, but it is like, it is a lot of layers. You know? like, I'm sure David can just start chiseling and be like, I just chiseled what didn't look like David. Other people right. try the same thing, right. and it's like I have a rubble. Right. <laughs> like... Yes. Now I've destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Famous thing. Right. He said, "I, I, I basically chisel to let the art out." Kind of thing mm-hmm. is what he was saying. He could see that. Right. Yeah. Artistic vision. Um. I, I. You know, if you start at the beginning, for me, I think it's important to see that early on, God is a maker. Right. Mm. In the beginning, God created. Yeah. Right. And no, yeah. no, you know, we we don't dispute that. I, and I think the impulse to create, to make things is it's embedded in our, in our very beings. Hmm. Uh, one of the guys I, I read a lot about this is a, is a, a modern artist named Makoto. Hmm. They call him Mako Fujimura. Oh, I think that sounds familiar. Yeah. You've probably heard of him. He's he just really came with a book, didn't he? Yep. He's got several books out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A recent one called Art and Faith, The That's Theology right. of Making. Yes. Yes. Um, but he, he's, he, what's cool about Mako is he's a gifted artist. It's abstract kind of art. Mm. He practices the ancient Japanese art of, and I think I'm saying it right, n- Nahinga, N-I-H-I-N-G-A, Nahinga. Okay. And what it is, is you make your own paint, which first of all, from, from a non-painter blows my mind, right? Because I go to Sherwin-Williams and this guy's making his paint, right? Wow. And in the paint, wow. you put crushed up minerals hmm. from traditional, literally centuries old recipes. Wow. And you paint with that. And so his work has this almost glowing iridescent quality. Wow. It's phenomenal stuff. Yeah. It's very abstract and all that. He had a studio near nine near ground zero and was really impacted mm. by 9-11 and, and all of that mm. stuff. So gifted artist, gifted writer and speaker, especially about making and theology. And and he he talks about the fact that God communicates to us first as an artist, mm. Mm. then as a lecturer. Mm. In the beginning, God created and he made all these things. Okay. Um, and I think it's also interesting. I was doing some reading for this podcast that, you know, in Exodus. When God is laying out the plans for building his house, the ark, yeah. <laughs> yeah. where are you going to live? I'm going to live in the ark <laughs> of the covenant. Um, he he talks to two craftsmen, mm. I, and I've got their names here. I want to get them right. One is Bezalel okay. and then Oholiab. Now, here's what's interesting. Let me read to you what it says from Exodus. Yeah. He fills them with, quote, quoting from Scripture here, with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Hmm. So Mac- hmm. Mako makes the point, never thought of this, the first, arguably, the first people in the Bible with the Holy Spirit were artisans. Hmm. That's they're the, They are the first record that, that we have recorded that it says we're that filled with that the way. spirit of God. Wow. So, you know, I think that's an important kind of establishment about God, the maker, God, the creator. and. I also think that sometimes art and faith, oddly, kind of seems to be at odds with one another, right? People yeah. have, you know, right? They yeah. have strong kind of things. And, and um, 
I, I don't want to get too deep into reading stuff, but I, I think it's really important. Again, from Mako, he writes, Imagination, like art, has often been seen as suspect by some Christians who perceive the art world as an assault on traditional values. Hmm. Hmm. These expectations of art are largely driven by fear that art will lead us away from truth hmm. into an anarchic freedom of expression. Hmm. Yet after many decades of the church proclaiming truth, we are no closer as a culture to truth and beauty than we were a century ago. Wow. All right. I mean, dang, <laughs> it's profound and, 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 yeah. and insightful and, and in that sort of thing. Yeah. So it becomes this yeah. debate, right? How do you reconcile art and faith, which I think is kind of the main topic of what we're talking about today. And it's kind of funny because that makes me laugh. I think for <laughs> for reasons we can even looking at that, it's like when we see the temple being built, it's like it was a beautiful, you know, he went to excellent people in their craft, very skilled people, mm -hmm. and they built a masterpiece. Right. And we see even now, it's like, you know, we look at old churches like, oh, these things are masterpieces. It's like, yes, of course. Right. We look at old, you know, religious art. We label it now. It's like they're beautiful. They're, we study, people study them for years. Yeah. And uh, now we call, oh, that's Christian art. Yeah. <laughs> that's art. <laughs> right. It's and like there's this huge dichotomy now that's been created yeah. where it's like, why has that been created? Yeah. And, and, and interestingly, right, if you study some of the old Christian artists who created those buildings, they weren't necessarily Christian. Right. right? I mean, they, yeah. they were getting paid to do a job. They were just commissioned a, by the church. Right. Right. That <laughs> yeah. was the only thing that made them that. And so that's an interesting thing. And I think what you hit upon there, Paul, for me is this aspect of beauty, right? Hmm. I say all the time, God didn't have to make beauty. He didn't yeah. have to. He, he, he's making the world how he wants. He didn't have to make, he hmm. didn't have to make the rainbow yeah. look like it looked. Yeah. He didn't have to make the world look like he, he didn't have to make beauty, mm. nor did he have to somehow put in us this ability to recognize beauty. Yeah. It's hard to define. Yeah. Right. But we yeah. we know beauty. We see beauty. We, we OK. Yeah, that's beautiful. Right. We get that. But God didn't have to do that. Yet he did. Yeah. So there must be something that God wants us to do with beauty, mm. recognize, create mm. and so forth with it. And I and I <laughs> it's interesting, too, because. And again, in, in prep for the show, I was doing some reading, and and there's a great story, or an interesting story to me, and I think you'll enjoy as well, about John Calvin, okay, mm. right? Foremost theologian, Protestant theologian. And Calvin, you know, he had he, he formulates his theology, right, which, you know, tulip, all that stuff, and mm -hmm. he starts off with the, the big one, right? Total depravity. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, it's, and, it's a big phrase. That's a big one, right? <laughs> like, it, it basically means what? Man is scum. Nothing yeah. man can do. Yeah. Right? He's depraved, which mm -hmm. is a serious word. But here's what's interesting. Calvin believed that, but he had this weird kind of uh, cognitive dissonance going on. And maybe some of the listeners, maybe you don't know this. Before he was a quote unquote theologian, mm. he was he was a lawyer. He studied law. Oh, wow. And he was really enamored by some of the Greco-Roman writers, especially Seneca. Hmm. And they were pagan as all get out. And he <laughs> knew that. But he was blown away by their truth telling, by their writing. Hmm. And so he had this weird kind of how do I justify their pagans, wow. but they have this beautiful work. And so Calvin yeah. himself kind of came up with what a lot of us do. He he has this compromise. He has this he has this loophole. Hmm. You know, it's like the W.C. Fields, you know, the old the old comedian. I don't, I'm not familiar. Okay. He's an old, old 40s, 50s comedian. Some, maybe some of the listeners, uh, they're, they're, they're podcast listeners. They won't know who he is. <laughs> I have to look up W.C. Fields. He was one of those. Pause it and look it up. <laughs> yeah. He was one of those wise cracking, hey, how you doing? Kind of, kind of 
comedians. And yeah. he was on his deathbed and someone came to visit him. He's reading the Bible and they said, WC, I didn't know you were a believer. And he goes, I'm not. I'm looking for loopholes. Right? <laughs> and and so here, here's Calvin yes. looking for a loophole. And this wow. is what he comes up with. And this is this is Calvin's quote, right? He says that God provided, quote, natural gifts that are dis- bestowed indiscriminately upon the pious and the impious. Hmm. And he called these gifts a peculiar grace. Keep that <laughs> phrase in mind, peculiar yeah. grace. He even went further to say that when we see something created by an unbeliever, that we should neither reject the truth of it nor despise it wherever it shall appear unless we wish to dishonor the spirit of God. So mm. he has this He has this kind of, again, loophole. Okay, yeah. yeah, they're pagans. Yeah, they're unbelievers, but they created this amazing art. That, that obviously God gave them the ability to to do, whether they know it or not, mm. which is really mm. interesting. Now, go a little further. There's another theologian, guy named Abraham Kuyper, K-U-Y-P-E-R, mm-hmm. right? And Kuyper comes up, he takes, he's a Calvinist, big time Calvinist. He takes Calvin's peculiar grace and he just ramps it up a little bit and he calls it common grace. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he distinguishes common grace and self-saving grace and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But he basically says that common grace is this this whole ability that that God gives specific gifts to people, right? The rain falling on the just and the unjust. Yeah. Yeah. The pious and the impious. Um and and that that's how it operates mysteriously. You know, he he makes a quick distinction, right? He would say something like, Common grace allows Picasso to create. Hmm. Common grace doesn't cause Picasso to be a believer, mm. right? That's a saving grace yeah. thing. Yeah. So he tries to make that distinction and he's got, I've got his two volumes on it, which are, I don't know, they're, they're, and I make, I'm not making this up. They're literally like 900 pages of his writings. <laughs> so I'm working my he's way through. really making it work. Yeah, I'm working my way through that. But he, he <laughs> believes, you know, he Kuiper believed that God cared about art and yeah. education and athletics and, and politics and all those things because everything for his glory. So mm. that's an interesting mm. way to think about reconciling art or yeah. politics, right? Any yeah. of those things in faith, I think. Yeah, you know, you you had me thinking too, call back to the barbecue. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you know, it it takes just about anybody to recognize good versus bad barbecue. Mm-hmm. We'll go with that same example. Right. But it takes a skilled craftsman to say, this is why it's good. Yes. Yeah, agreed. And I think in, in this sense, it's we can look at, it's like, yeah, I think inherently people can recognize beauty. Right. I would Because agree. God creates systems. And we're a product of that system. <laughs> right, sure. And part of part of our design is to recognize what is good and what is not. Right. Yeah. And and yeah, I think we you could take that one step further and say, sure, there's an element of finesse or craftsmanship that yeah. perhaps the naked eye doesn't tell, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I had a when I was working on my PhD dissertation, I was interviewing a lady and she was telling me about her father who used to be um this wasn't his vocation, but kind of I guess as a hobby or whatever, he was a woodworker and he would make cabinets and hmm. and and furniture. And she described this great story of one time she watched him and he's making this drawer and he's using these fine dovetailed corners, which are hmm. intricate woodwork where you cut out the piece of one edge and you cut out the piece of the other edge and they, they fit oh, perfectly wow. right. They're dovetailed. Yeah. And nobody's ever going to see that. <laughs> Right. And, yeah. and that's an attention to craftsmanship and detail. Why? Mm. Because it's about glorifying God. It's about glorifying yeah. the creator who gave him this ability. Yeah. Nobody's going to look at the back of my drawer and say, wow, that's finally made. Yeah. Except the person that made it. Yeah. And except God. 
they know. Hmm. And so there's that hmm. attention to hmm. craftsmanship, artisanship, that there is a distinction between good and great. We were joking about barbecue. Yeah. Not everybody knows it. All right. I, I can't, I can't, I can't necessarily, even with art, uh, um, one of my things that I would, that I get a kick out of, you know, my background artistically was uh, my degrees in creative writing. Mm. And I, so I know a little about writing. I, 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 I do that. And I taught high school English. So I know all that kind of stuff. I've gotten into fine art photography. We'll talk about a little bit later. But one thing that is not my thing, as much as I enjoy, is music. Mm. I don't really know music. So when I was the uh, administrator at a performing arts high school, it was interesting because I didn't know music. And I could say something sounded good, but then my boss at the time, he would say, do you hear of this? Blah, blah, blah. Do you hear what they're doing? And I'm like, mm. uh, no. <laughs> like, right? Because, again, he yeah. had a finely tuned artisan's ear toward what made something musical. Yeah. And he would say – Everybody has the same notes, but hmm. not everybody plays it the same way. Yeah. Right. And we know yeah. that. And I know that, you know, cognitively. Sure. But being able to hear that with my ear, I just don't have that refinement. But but mm. yet he many people do. So I also yeah. recognize there is that level of understanding between good and great. You're yeah. sure um, that people have not not everybody has that. I mean, totally, totally get that. Yeah, it's a whole nother level of, of everything. <laughs> but to what you're saying, too, it's like it is amazing that when it comes to this idea of, of common grace, right? that, you know, under that doctrine, I guess we can call it. Doctrine, yeah, I think that yeah, that's that fair. belief, that theology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like that that does make sense for what what it, for the background and context of what he's saying. Yeah. Well. And I think he goes at it, you know, and I have to still do more research on his his scriptural because he comes at it from scripture and I yeah. don't know that real well. But I think his main argument, Kuiper, would be that nothing man did in the fall ruined God's appreciation for his creation. Mm. Hmm. Right? He didn't because man sinned, suddenly the earth wasn't not beautiful, right? Yeah. And, and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Or whatever. And so Kuiper kind of yeah. looks at that and goes, so there's a reason that this beauty is here. There's a reason these people have these gifts, sometimes even if they don't understand those gifts. Mm. So I, I think that's an interesting I, – I, I, yeah. I don't know enough about it to stake a, to drive the stake in the ground on it. But it is interesting yeah. about the idea of commonness and that there are these gifts that everyone – that people have been given yeah. that, that ultimately are to glorify God, maybe even if they don't know they are, which is really kind of interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's what's kind of funny. It's like uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. I'm, I'm thinking even people growing up where it's like mom, my parents were used to go to a church where the they learned some amazing things about God and they were taught some incredible things from someone who ended up not even being proclaiming to be a believer. Yeah. And it's like, how does that happen? Well, yeah, my, my <laughs> wife tells a great story about when she was in, she went to a sec, we went to a, she went to a secular uh, state university, but she took old New Testament hmm. at a secular university. And her New Testament class was taught by a Jewish person hmm. who presumably didn't believe anything in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and her Old Testament taught, was taught by a Christian. And she makes a strong argument that they taught her a lot hmm. because of the, and I think it's because of the perspective that they bring to it, right? It's all yeah. about the perspective. They can add a lot. They add, yeah. And so that, that's an interesting kind of thing too, right? That, that you can learn from people even though, yeah, you know, and I mean hesitant to say they're being used as puppets by God. You know, that's a different kind of thing. Right. But but obviously they're that God's using things to glorify him. And yeah. and that may be even gifts that people have that 
they don't recognize that's what they're doing anymore. Yeah. And I know I, I bring that back to my favorite phrase that everyone familiar with the show knows is <laughs> truth is truth is truth. So it's like the pursuit of excellence leads you to the beauty of who Christ is. Right. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. That's what I see with that. It's like, no matter what your personal beliefs are, if you're adamantly and <laughs> religiously <laughs> pursuing your craft, right? whether that's speaking, whether that's art, whether that's music, engineering, whatever it may be, there's a level of that that reflects who Christ is because there's truth in that. And I agree with you. And I think for me, it's, it, I've done a lot of thinking on this, not only in preparation for the show, but, yeah. but, but, but in, in fairness to some of that. And I, when I try and think, okay, how do you reconcile art and faith? You know, you know mm. you're, you're an artist. What do you think, Daryl? And I, and I, so let me, th let me throw some things out here that may be a little bit radical. Maybe not. Maybe I'm making up, maybe I'm creating my own theology, <laughs> Paul. I don't know. Those are our favorites. <laughs> um, I, I'm amazed by how often in scripture God does things with the sole purpose mm. of this. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, I mean, I've, I've got yeah. some examples. He takes Moses up to Mount Ararat, give him the mm. Ten Commandments, and what does he tell him? Hey, write this down. Yeah. Pay attention. Um, <laughs> yeah. He tells the Israelites <laughs> later, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, you know, phylacteries, right? Mm -hmm. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and your gates. Mm. Why? Pay attention. Yeah. In the New Testament, Jesus says what? Consider the lilies of the field. Hmm. Pay attention. Pay attention to the lilies. Yeah. He also yeah. shares, he who <laughs> has ears, let him hear. Hmm. Pay attention. Um, <laughs> and he, and you know, what about the parable, you know, the ten virgins when he says, keep watch because you don't know when the day and the hour of his return is going to be. Hmm. That's a clear call to you better pay attention. Pay attention. Right? You're <laughs> catching on here. And my fav this is my favorite story in the whole Bible. I got I got a, a couple of them, but this is one of my mm. favorites. And the parable of the Good Samaritan. Everybody knows it. Christians yeah. and non-Christians, you know, many people from different faiths know the Good Samaritan. And I love the story, the way it kind of breaks down in these layers. But remember that scenario, right? The expert in the law comes up to him. How do you get eternal mm. life? Jesus tells them, and he goes, "Hey, well, I've done all those things." And then you love your neighbor. And then he's then he he, he should have quit there, yeah. right? If you know the he story, he was ahead. He was ahead. <laughs> He'd done all these things. Jesus is like, "Okay, man, you got it." And then he says, "Oh, and." Who is my neighbor? Mm. And Jesus then lays out the parable of the Good Samaritan, which really says, hey, look around. Yeah. Everyone's your neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Pay attention. Hmm. And so this idea of, the, of God trying to get us to pay attention really resonates with me as it, as, as it relates to making art. Hmm. Because I think that's a key to making art is to pay attention. Yeah. And, and, and whether you're a writer, you're a filmmaker – you're a, mm. a, you're a photographer, whatever you're doing, it's about paying attention to the world around you. I, I, I think one of the most important aspects of the divine intervention is to get us to see the things that really matter, mm. right? To look at the world around us and to see the different things that, that, we, that we need to see. I, I would argue that pedagogically in the New Testament, Jesus's main purpose was to teach us to see with different eyes. Mm. Not not religious eyes, not political eyes, not socio-cultural eyes, but with the eyes of God and how he sees his people. Hmm. And so if that's the theological background as an artist, then I think art does the same thing. Art says, look yeah. around. Yeah. Look at the people. Look at their joy. Look hmm. at their pain. Look at their look at the injustice. Hmm. Look at the glory. 
that that's what art does. And and so yeah. I think that's a reconciliation of art and faith, a strong one in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I heard I heard someone recently say, I don't know who it is to to give them any credit for it. But <laughs> I don't remember. Um I I think it was it was a pastor who was saying it's funny how they can go up and speak for 40 minutes and yet you have this 3 minute song that speaks the same message in a way that engages people like he wasn't able to. Correct. Yes. And I think that, that that's that's the power of art speaking to yeah. us. And again, I believe as we said it speaks it, on more than a cognitive level. Right. There's an yeah. emotional connection. There's there is a cognitive connection, but there's an emotional connection and then there's this yeah. weird kind of um resonance hmm. right it just it just vibrates on our in our inner being when we see yeah. something that's like that and so that i that idea of of art you know I, I, to your point i i heard someone talk about you know the art art should make us uncomfortable and i kind of go you know there's nothing wrong with art that makes us uncomfortable there's a purpose for that but i don't mm -hmm. you got to be careful and i would say this about anything i'm saying as well is putting something as broad as God, as theology, and yeah. as art making in a, sim a simple box, right? Mm. So that all art should make us uncomfortable. I don't know. I, Norman <laughs> Rockwell does not make me uncomfortable. It makes me feel kind of warm and fuzzy. Yes, which was kind of his point. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and so I think there's some there's something to be said for, for that. And I know as yeah. an artist myself, it's that speaking back to the world mm. through a particular medium. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's really about slowing down, hmm. looking around, seeing things you might because you might also make us, you know, and this is a little going out a little bit, but you might also make a strong argument that if the primary objective of God is to get us to pay attention, hmm. the primary objective of the fallen world is to get us to be distracted. Hmm. Hmm. Right. And to not pay attention to what yeah. God wants us to pay attention to. And I'm not going off on some weird, you know anti-iPhone rant or oh, whatever, sure. right? I mean, yeah. that, I mean, that's a, I think that's a pretty fair idea though. I mean, you think about it, even when we take the message of the gospel, it's like ignoring the message itself, which is very important, but it's like, why do we go and speak to other people? Well, cause it's important and we want them to pay attention to it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to your point. Yeah. And in, I, the, in the same way, it's like, you know, why do you tell a disturbing story? Cause you want people to pay attention to whatever disturbing point you're trying to make. I, totally agree. Why are you trying to tell a, a nostalgic story? Because you want people, you want point people back to yeah. the importance of past, the importance of uh, comfort. Yeah, and know? I don't, and I, I also think, Paul, I don't know that it always has to be some deep. No, not meaning, at all. Right? I mean, it can Sometimes, be. But... So, I mean, I think of Paul Simon in this. Yeah. It's like people look at um, what's like the why can't I think of the hello hello darkness my old friend. What's the name of that song? Uh, oh, oh, um, old Simon and Garfunkel song. Yeah, hello darkness, my old friend. Yeah, um, why, why are we blanking on that? Everyone's one, yelling yeah, at me they're now. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're screaming at their dashboards. Like, I, of course, this is the name of the song. Yes, yeah. Um, but we know which song I'm talking yeah, about. We do. Well, I, I do. Yeah. So with that, you know, people were were sitting there I keep like wanting to say bridge over troubled waters, but that's not. It. <laughs> that's a different one. That's a different Paul Simon song. Oh my gosh, this is gonna bother me the entire episode. <laughs> yeah, no. we'll get there. But that line in particular, "Hello darkness, my old friend." Everyone's sitting there like, "What does this mean?" Like. It must be something with like depression or him struggling with his shadow and all this. And he's like, no, actually, uh, you know, when I was young, I used to sit in the bathroom because it was quiet and I'd play music in there. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. And for him, it's like, it's just a song. It yeah, doesn't mean anything. Exactly. And it's I've like heard maybe meaning out of it, but 
I've he heard, was just making music. I've heard similar things. I don't know if they're true about the Beatles and and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, LSD. You know, oh, sure. Not, they're like, no, that's really not it at all. He's like, it's I just, just saw a drawing yeah, from my five year old. Yeah, it looked <laughs> like it was a good idea. Yeah. And and so I I think there's that kind of element of of art, art making, but I still go back to you know artists really tr- you know try and make us pay attention and and yeah and that kind of thing. And I know in my own you know. Uh, uh, art making, especially photography. That's what I want. I'm going to share a couple things with mm. you. So I just got back from Utah, which is an amazing uh, landscape. And it was specifically with a buddy of mine to do photography. Mm. And so I'm trying to practice what I preach here, right? <laughs> yeah. And and not so as a, as a photographer, when I'm trying to make art, I'm not just standing, snapping off a bunch of pictures. Now, mm. I do take a bunch of pictures. And admittedly, most of them aren't what we call keepers. Sure. Um, <laughs> But I'm trying to – the thing I love about it, you know, people talk to me about my photography is it makes me slow down hmm. and, and look. Hmm. So I want to show you a couple images. So Please. I know the audience can't see them. Maybe we'll post them on Instagram. But I'm, what I'm showing, Paul, here is an wow. image of Bryce Canyon of a, of a lady who's come up through the canyon. And I'm, I'm on top, and I'm focusing down through the canyon walls. Hmm. And she's coming up. And she's opened and she's just staring up at the massive canyon walls. I call it mm. canyon wonder. Mm. And this was me on top. And so when I'm taking this photograph, I'm yeah. purposely concentrating on the grandeur of the space. Yeah. I'm in this case using black and white because it's drawing out the focus on on the lady who looks in the picture. You can visualize it when you're listening, like a tiny miniature person, right? Yeah. Um, just in the tiny lower third of it. Right. Yeah. Um, but it also shows her looking up at the massiveness. So it communicates mm. a lot of wow. things I was feeling and seeing myself at this wonderful place, Bryce Canyon National Park in Utah. That's so cool. So, and then the next one wow. is also out in Utah, and it's a twilight picture of a natural stone arch. Hmm. But the thing that's interesting about this is, and again, Paul's looking at it here with me, it was taken at twilight, and so the rock that you can see here is actually in the dark. And what wow. I did was is I opened the exposure on the camera, and I took a flashlight, hmm. and I shined light on the dark rock so that when you get a finished picture, you, you can still tell it's night, right? But you can yeah. see. You get the light from the. You get the light from the flashlight lighting up the, the stone arch. That's so but cool. Again, an idea for me of slowing down hmm. takes a while to make this type of picture yeah and, you know in that respect right as well as learning to visualize and and, and communicate to someone who's going to view it what hmm. my vision for the for the piece of art is so uh, that's it, really cool yeah and it's something so I, when i talk about art as causing us to slow down and to pay attention i think that that works really nicely with what i believe god's trying to get us to do through his indwelling and through his word as well is to yeah. slow down and pay attention. Hmm. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a, a good message in there. Cause I think, yeah, even, even to the point where I feel like there's so many different ways we can pull it. Maybe that's, that's one of the things that I've, I found for myself is maybe it was just a habit I built while trying to get through, uh, through school. <laughs> it's sure. like, yeah, I can BS my way through a lot of things, yeah. <laughs> but the one thing I, I, I always loved was analyzing art and kind of like, trying to pull a, a you know more of a meaning out of it whether it's actually there or not yeah totally totally <laughs> irrelevant but the one thing i do love um even even looking at the art that you that you just shared with us too is like 
it is that idea of like, let's stop and let's slow down and just appreciate it. Let's, let's take a moment away from our uh, knee jerk reactions and let's, let's analyze those too. Yeah. And <laughs> I think I was thinking about something exactly similar to that, Paul. And I, um, so I'm going to say it publicly and then I'm going to probably contact him and see if he'll do it. <laughs> I was t- thinking about getting with Dr. Alex Rich, uh, the executive director of the Pope Museum of Art. Mm. I think it would be a cool art installation where you put art up in a museum, right? Mm. And you require they have to sign a waiver mm. that every person that goes into the gallery, and maybe you put people there to monitor it, has to stand in front of the art for three minutes wow. before moving on. That's actually really cool. Right? Like and I don't know what you'll see. I don't know what yeah. you'll get out of it. But to your point about slowing down and, and looking at it, yeah, we just don't do it. I mean, how many times have we been to I've been to I've been blessed to be in some major museums in the world hmm. and you're just zipping through them. Right. Hmm. What's the number one objective to in yeah. Louvre? Get to the Mona Lisa with the 50,000 yeah. tourists that are there. <laughs> Hold your phone up high. Yeah, and, right. Yep. Nobody stops and just looks at the Mona Lisa. Now, unfortunately, yeah. with the logistics, you can't really even do that now. True. But what if, what if you had an exhibit of art? It, it doesn't matter what the art is, where hmm. you're forced to slow down, just stop yeah, and not move. And then ding, bells look up, you go to the next piece. Yeah. I think that would be really interesting, especially to talk to the people, of course, right? Mm. This is my social science research coming up in me. I talk to them afterwards about the difference that experience was. Then maybe one of their traditions. Mm. And maybe they maybe they think they're yeah. a fan of art. Maybe they're an art, you know, they, they're an art buff or something. Yeah. And I guarantee you they don't go to an art museum. I don't. They don't go to an art museum and stand in front of each piece for three or four no, minutes. Not at all. <laughs> And I know for me, like I'm a bit of a snob. So I think, I think I'm very critical. I've I've definitely come to find, and uh, I'll pour another round. Oh, thank you. But the the one thing that I do, I don't think we're gonna get to the beer. By the way, we might not. No. <laughs> we, might be... we still got a half bottle. And this is a great place to stop right here too, right on these guys. <laughs> um, but I'll say for myself, you know, the one thing that I love is that moment when I'm walking through an art museum, and I find that one piece that just captures my attention. I'm sure it's happened to you before. Sure, yeah. You're walking through, you're like, okay, yeah, everything's good, whatever. And it's like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it draws you in. And the more you look at it, the more you appreciate it and the more you learn from it. Um, and it, it would be it would be an interesting exercise. I'm interested to do this for myself without signing a waiver. Even. Yeah. Well, I, I like it's the like, electric I, shock thing. Yeah, right. You, leave, <laughs> oh. you left early. Get back. <laughs> Get back. Everyone's wearing a little shock collar. <laughs> we got a whole new art Here's your security guard. Yeah. He's very strict. Yes, if you leave, you're getting zapped. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, that would be an interesting exercise to do, to actually go and, you know, some of them are going to suck. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, this wasn't worth my three minutes. Absolutely, you're but right. what did you learn from the ones that, you, that were worth three minutes? Yeah, and, and to your point earlier about how something speaks to you, there's that's similar to the mystery of God is this sometimes mm. that's a mystery thing. I, I, a recent example with me within the last few years, I, I didn't grow up in a particularly art centric house. And I, mm. we appreciated country music, which I, I try really appreciate. Good so not, music. not very art centric. Yeah, that. that. <laughs> um, that's a whole other podcast on there, right. the, the artistry of country music, but and so I took a class in high school with a wonderful, amazing teacher. It was humanities class, right? Mm. And what's interesting is I would go to that. I was a senior, so I'm half paying attention anyway, right? Yeah. Senior yeah. High school. And she was one of those teachers that had just had art all over the walls and art all over her window. And mm. right next to my desk where I happened to sit 
that covered the window pane. So maybe it was, I don't know, 13 inches by 24 inches hmm. was a reproduction of Botticelli's famous painting, The Birth of Venus, mm, mm. Okay, which everybody's seen, The Clamshell Lady, right? Yeah, everybody's yeah. seen that. And I, so I went to school my senior year and every day, so let's say roughly for 100, 150 days, 180, whatever it was, I sat next to the clamshell lady. Mm. And my teacher talked about art and all this kind of stuff. And I truly began to appreciate art, not necessarily The Birth of Venus by Botticelli, but whatever. Yeah. Now, <laughs> fast forward, I'm ashamed to admit this, 40-something years, 35 mm. years, about Two years ago, I got a chance to go to Italy and specifically to Florence and the mm. Uffizi Gallery where Botticelli's The mm. Birth of Venus is. And I wow. have to say, it's hard for me to even say right now, I like, get emotional. I stood in front of that painting and I almost wept. It was wow. just, it, it's wow. just the strange thing about now I, now I get it. Mm. And it just, just totally wow. resonates to your core. And yeah. I, and, and I, that's what art can do, right? Just like yeah. a, a well a well-played piece of music and, and yeah. that sort of thing can do. And it's hard for me not to think that's not from God. Hmm. Now, I don't hmm. always have proof of that, right? Sure. But, but it's hard <laughs> for me not to think that it, that that experience, which is kind of this sublime joy, hmm. an internal thing. Hmm. You know, you're not, I'm not, I wasn't in the Uffizi Gallery doing cartwheels, right? <laughs> now, I yeah. stood in front of that one for more than three minutes, hmm. right? And so hmm. to your point about what gets you, what resonates with you, you know, there's a lot yeah. of things that go into that, I think. Yeah, it's really true. And I think that it reminds me of the the first picture that you showed of the girl in the canyon above her. When we look at that, the one thing I, I, I like about that is there's actually a part of the canyon that juts out and blocks our view of what she's seeing. Right. You're right. And what what kind of pulls me from that is like, wow, so that's it's showing two perspectives. Is one true, is one wrong? I don't know. They're different. Yeah, right. And right. I think that's that's one of the interesting things when we view God multiple people will have different experiences that lead them to approaching God in a different way. Right. Sometimes I, I, I'll say right now, sometimes, sometimes they are wrong. <laughs> no, because there, there is, yeah. there is a level of truth that's involved with everything. Sure. I agree. But there is something to be said for people experience God differently. Right. Fair enough. And that's, you know, in and of itself, that's not for us to negate from someone else. We can, you know, ask questions about that to see if there's validity to, is that right. really God? But yeah, you know, one painting speaks to someone differently because of their experience. Another painting speaks to someone differently because of their experience. If you didn't grow up viewing the clamshell lady, right, who knows, it right. might not have hit you the same way. I totally agree. And to yeah. your point about the grandeur of God's creation, you know, the, in, yeah. the natural and landscape and so forth, that's a really good point about how that hits people. And, and I don't want to suggest, nor are you, a pantheistic kind of approach of God, yeah. you know, worshiping the native, whatever. But again, he didn't have to make it beautiful. Right. right? He didn't have to make it look <laughs> yeah. like that. It could have just been a big dirt hole in the ground or something. Mm. And, and yet it mm. isn't. And it does speak to people. And I think that's a really good thing. I, I, I'll tell this quick story. Yeah. Uh, I said, I just got back from Utah, but I also, uh, before that, a few weeks before that, I took my mother um, out to California. She'd never been to the West Coast. So mm. we took her out there to see the Pacific and the San Francisco and the, and the Redwoods. We go to Yosemite National Park and we're climbing uh, Glacier Point Road, which is a famous road that kind of looks down on the valley with some magnificent views mm. of Yosemite. And we come around a bend and you see Half Dome, which is this massive granite monolith. Mm. 
And the first time you see it, and my 80-year-old mom's response was, oh, wow. <laughs> and, and it just uh, it brought such joy to my heart. Wow. And I'm thinking, yes, mom, that's the appropriate response when you see that beauty. Yeah. Oh, wow. You yeah. Know? And, and, and that, again, I think speaks to God's artistry and what as the yeah. ultimate maker and what he, you know, how he chose to create things. It didn't have to look like that, right? Like right. I said, but yet it did yeah. because he's communicating with us even through that. Yeah. Even through beauty. Yeah, it's true. I know to go on a small tangent here. Um, I'm more, I'm more of a music guy too. That's my, that's mm-hmm. a huge part of my background. And so to dive into that just briefly on a very, like it's a deep surface level. I'll say yeah. <laughs> without getting super musically te- technical. Um, so uh christopher small he wrote a book he was a i think a music psychologist or he was a music guy yeah (laughs) he wrote a book um called musicking the meaning of performance and listening and so one of the things he argued is like music isn't a noun it's a verb Mm. it's something that we do um and so one of the quotes he has in there is musicking musicking is an activity by means of which we bring into existence a set of relationships that model the relationships of our world so that's a very like scientific way of saying <laughs> when it comes to music, when it comes to art, I'll make it very broad in that sense. There is, it's a verb. It's something that we, we interact with, something that right. we do. A way to experience. Yeah. It's a way to connect. There are a lot of ways to connect. You know, you made yeah. kind of, you were kidding earlier about a scientific science. There's a scientific way to connect to things and there's oh, nothing wrong with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but, but. Art and aesthetics and beauty is another way to connect yeah. to the world. And in the making of art, in the making of music, for example, yeah. it's a way to, you know, the phrase that gets used all the time, it's a way to speak back to the world, mm-hmm. right? This is mm-hmm. what I see. And that's why when people ask me about my photography, I, I tend not to be a person that heavily edits in that. Mm. I don't want it to look too unlike what I saw. Mm. However, mm. I'm also not a snapshot guy. I'm not trying to just provide you a journalistic yeah. thing of what I saw. So I do do some editing. I do crop and I do I don't heavily change colors or set whatever. But so I do emphasizing yeah. yeah, I'm try but I have an artistic vision for the photo. All right. Mm. That's the difference I mm. I would argue between, you know, taking snapshots, which again it's not wrong. I'm just it's just taking snapshots versus trying to trying to speak back to the world with an, with an artistic vision, yeah. with a photographic yeah. vision. And it, it, I would argue, I guess, you know, to your music thing about, it's the same way about everyone could have Mozart's concerto in front of them, one of his yeah. concertos, but they don't all play it the same, right? right? They speak back to the world in a different way yeah, through the way exactly. they play. And I think that's, that's the beauty of, I'll use the term musicking again. That's the beauty of it. It's like everyone does it differently. Some are better than others mm-hmm. for sure. Fair but enough. there's also a huge difference between who you're doing it with. You know, are you doing it by yourself? Like if I'm, if I, am I at home playing to myself, playing for myself? Am I with a small group of friends? Am I in front of a big group of people? You know, am I listening to a, a, a recording? Yeah. It's like, those are all ways that we experience art that changes the experience. And, I, and so let me take that and go down another tangent that's a, that I would say would be a little more controversial. Yeah. I personally believe Everyone that makes art, and we're going to, that's a broad thing, but we're just mm-hmm. going to say it that way. Everyone that makes art, every person that makes art, I believe they do so as a, as an act. I won't say conscious because I think sometimes it's not conscious, Yeah, but I think they make art as an act of legacy. 
Hmm. I think they do it to make a mark on the world, hmm. to leave something, even if they will argue with you that that's not why they do it. I used to teach writing, right? Yeah. And there's a lot about write diaries and journaling and so forth. And be like, oh, I don't want anybody to read my journal. And I would argue, yeah, I disagree with you. Hmm. You might not want anybody to read it now, hmm. but if you didn't want anybody to read it, you wouldn't write it down. <laughs> now, yeah. now, there's a strong school <laughs> yeah. that argues against that. There's other reasons to write it down besides having someone to read it. Fair mm -hmm. enough, blah, blah, blah. But I still maintain that that everybody that creates art does so to try and scratch out a little bit of mm. I was here. Mm. I'm inclined to agree with you. And maybe it's because <laughs> I've joked about this before. Maybe I'm a little bit more narcissistic than yeah. the average person. And that's right. I, I'm not I don't think I'm the only person that's had an internal dialogue of me on the Tonight Show <laughs> <laughs> talking about, about something I did. Right. <laughs> like, Here's why I came up with this. Well yeah, yeah and I think and that's you, – you said the right word, right? We don't – sometimes we don't want to admit that because it seems narcissistic. Yeah. But I actually think that goes to a deep kind of, again, God-instilled thing in us about wanting mm. to create something for posterity's sake. Now, yeah. most of us aren't naive enough to think that this picture I made of this woman in the canyon is going to be around 150 <laughs> years from now. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not. But I also – I will admit that there's something about – wanting people to see that right mm, mm. and for it to impact them in a way that's memorable that leaves yeah. a mark so to speak yeah and i would i would i really like i said it's a little controversial because some artists would disagree with me and that's okay they're not mm -hmm. here and they're not drinking bourbon <laughs> be a big fight throw down in the maximized digital studios <laughs> yeah, right to be fair i don't think most artists i think most of them are pacifists yeah I would, that's right. <laughs> like, they, would, they wouldn't do that but i i think that it i think that it really is kind of how we're wired i think that art making yeah. and you might even really stretch it to say that mm. A lot of what we do as human beings is legacy driven. I was actually just about to go down that path. And it's like, you know, what's the reason that we speak? Well, because we think we have something to say. We want some we want what we have to say to impact others. And I think the same thing is for art. That's a way of us speaking in a way that's not the English language or whatever our native language is. It's a way of speaking in without words in a sense. I think it creates it. <laughs> Getting really deep and philosophical. Yeah. Because I've had a couple sips of bourbon now. Yeah. <laughs> I think it speaks to this thing that we have inside us about railing into the void, right? Mm. That we that, mm. that that what God has called us to do matters. Yeah. That we matter as people, that we matter as humans, we matter as creators, we matter as artists. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna try and do something that 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 yells into the void. I am here. Yeah. Yeah. This is what at this instant, this photo, whatever it is, right? This this poem, this this story, this movie, this is what life is like right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think why that, do, why do we so often see, you know, rocks with etches, you know, Daryl was here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we want people to know. Yeah. And we kind of laugh at that, but yet we do the same thing in some other aspect of our lives. Yeah. I mean, how many people, you know, I I hope I'm not one of them. I might be guilty of it, but how many people try and live out a legacy, their own legacy through their children, hmm. right? Because hmm. they want their existence to be meaningful. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's a heavy thing. Mm. And it's usually not a positive thing, but I'm not but, often. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I think it's the same thing. I think it's this idea that what I, you know, my time here mattered. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways I can show you that maybe I'm political, yeah. maybe I'm political, maybe, you know, teachers, of course, are, I think, at the top of that list, in my mm. opinion, mm. you know, doing things that matter that nobody pays attention to till forever later. Right. Yeah. But I think artists are the same way. They, they actually mm. tend to be more, you know, kind of visible ish, if you will, or, or uh, and it, I don't know if visible-ish is a word, but I'm, I'm an English teacher. We'll go with it. Don't try, don't try this at home. I'm a professional. Um, artists kind of get more uh, notoriety for it because they're artists. But I think it, I think we all do it in some form or fashion. And art is one yeah. mechanism to do that, right? To 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 kind of yell into the void. I matter. God yeah. God made me, and and here's what I can do to show you that that I matter. I created this photo. I made this movie. I made this song or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're making me think of, uh, I'm going to pull up my, my geeky side, my nerdy side. So I don't know if you're familiar with the show. I thought that was already evident, (laughs) Paul, but go ahead. (laughs) I thought I was hiding it so well. I am familiar with Doctor Who, however. (laughs) Oh, sweet. So I'm not the only one. (laughs) No, no. I know Doctor Who and, and, uh, the Targus and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's good. It's a good time. But yeah. <laughs> so it is nerdy, though. I admit it's extremely nerdy. Yeah. I actually hated it at first because I was like, "This is the dumbest I, nerdy crap you're I've right. ever seen." <laughs> I probably but I just got into not it. to <laughs> cut your story off short, but I probably didn't start watching Doctor Who till like the eighth or ninth Doctor Who. Right? I was way far. That's gone. about when I started. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, "Hey, I really." So I watched the whole season of him. Yeah. And then yeah. That, apparently they <laughs> apparently it's routine to kill him off or get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. They're like and this. Actor's getting old. And he left, and they replaced him with a lady Doctor Who. Nothing was wrong with the lady Doctor Who, I think. But but it just I like that's not who Doctor Who was to me because I started. Oh yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I actually never watched that far. I actually stopped like halfway through. Is it Peter Capaldi? Yeah, the big guy. Yeah. I I watched a couple of his episodes, and then I just lost interest in. Yeah, it happens. Life changed. But to all that to say, uh, there was an episode. I don't remember which Doctor it was. Um, Who can? Who can? Someone? Someone on this world? Yeah. Who can? Uh, But it was an episode with uh, Van Gogh was in it. Oh, or yeah. Van Gogh as the... Yes. Art. I saw that episode. Oh, sweet. So, yeah. yes, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. There's that whole point where there's an underlying message in there. I think this is kind of a common story with some of those artists that we hail as, you know, masters now, who they went totally unrecognized their entire yeah. lifetime. Van Gogh especially. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. And he's... Uh, I know it's probably popular to say so. I actually... He's one of my favorites. I think just for the message he has and the perspective that he mm-hmm. brought to art, I love. Um Again, I'm kind of a novice with art <laughs> when it comes to that medium. Um, well, but okay, fair enough. You can't you can't go wrong for saying, "Hey, I like Van Gogh." <laughs> yeah, that's okay. true. Yeah, he, that's he's true. pretty. Yeah, he's pretty good. So yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> so you're true. good. You're all right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was funny. Actually, one of my friends who didn't know who he was criticized his art. He's like, "Oh, his perspective's all off. Like this is terrible." I'm like. You know, <laughs> like the giant you're going it's up Van against. Go, man. <laughs> right. I'm going to listen to you who runs an auto repair clinic over on <laughs> yeah. the 3rd and Main versus you're him. Right. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's funny. But the one thing I love in that is like there's a huge underlying message where he's just like, what he's doing is pointless. You know, he's painting over his own artwork. Yeah. Everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, that's a that's a million dollar piece right there. Million is understating it. Yeah. Now um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's funny. It's like we see that and he has no idea. He's yeah. just like, this is just garbage. I'm just doing it on the side for fun but then there's a point when they bring him to the modern day 
and they bring him to his museum to show him y'all yeah. and they show him like this is your art these are all the people that come to see your pieces and you just see him just well up with tears right and it, it goes to that legacy point. It's like of making a difference, right? Yeah, it mattered. Yeah, it mattered. If it didn't matter, like like he thought it didn't matter, but he found out like, oh, what I'm doing actually counts. It actually yeah. means something. It's like that means a whole lot. To me. I'm getting tingles right now yeah. well, thinking you, about that. And you take that and you can also go the 180 degrees the other way, right? You know, Picasso was famous for knowing about his mm. notoriety mm. Like, and famously scrawling stuff on napkins to pay yeah. the bills yeah. and stuff like that. This is a drawing by Picasso. Okay, that's worth that's worth a Big Mac. You're right. <laughs> or whatever right. it is you're getting. Um so so yeah and, and you kinda kinda that gives you kind of an uneasy feeling, mm -hmm. um, the commodification of it. But it is but it that's a that's an economic thing and that's a little bit of a different yeah. discussion. Sure. But the under I mean you couldn't argue that Picasso did understand I mean, his work, and, and I'm a big Picasso fan. I mean, mm. Guernica is, is just a fantastic representation of man's inhumanity to man. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and so there's there's a lot to be said for that. You know, and let's go to your era, right? Yeah. Or your, your area, music. So I'm listening to a piece by Shostakovich. Mm. I don't know anything about Shostakovich. And the orchestra director of the school where I was principal said, let me tell you about Shostakovich. He was a Russian composer who had to be careful when he was composing because of the Soviets. And oh, he wow. couldn't really say what he wanted to say in his music, so he had wow. to be very subtle about it. He said, so if you listen, you're going to hear rockets in this. <laughs> and if you listen, you're going to hear. And he just explained to me how wow. he was being subversive in his music. Phenomenal. I'm a big mm. Shostakovich fan, mm. you know, now because of yeah. that. I, in fact, you know, to be, you know, completely bare and honest with everyone listening, I love Russian artists. Hmm. Russian artists make the great, great art music. Yeah. Um, um, writing. I'm a huge fan. People ask me all the time, hmm. okay, you know, you write, you read, who's your favorite? Dostoevsky. Hmm. I love Russian novels. Hmm. Now, I guess it's because if your life sucks so bad, <laughs> you make great art. You know, there's something to be said for that. It's the idea of suffering. Yeah. And it's funny because that's a whole other podcast. It's right? true, it is, but, but it, that's like there. the classic artist trope is like, oh, I'm suffering. Life sucks. You know, it's like out of suffering, we can see this beauty. And I think with that, it speaks to the human condition. Yeah, and I in think, a way that we don't really understand. And it's weird to me, though, right? I agree with you, but it's weird to me how it seems to be concentrated. Like the Russians are brilliant at it. I mean, yeah. their ability to communicate the. When it gets that cold, too. Yeah, like... no, the miseries and, <laughs> and the joys. But, I mean, yeah, when you listen yeah, to yeah. their work. I mean, Tchaikovsky yeah. and all of these guys are like, yeah. whoa. It's, and, 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 again, I'm a huge fan of Dostoevsky. I, you know, for mm. years, mm. every, every summer, I would reread Crime and Punishment. I love that mm. novel. And it's kind of funny because if you're a reader, people are like, oh, yeah, I, I like uh, – I like Dostoevsky. Do you really? I, I like Charles Dickens. Do you? Yeah. Have you ever read Dickens or you just watch The Christmas Carol? Because yeah, when true. you read him, it's kind of like going, Ugh, and you turn the page. Ugh, I'll be, I'll go, hard to read. I'll go and say I'm not a huge fan of Dickens. Yeah, it's hard to read. And part of his understanding his background was like, this guy was paid to write words. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just wrote as many words yeah. as he could because that's how much money he made. That's right. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, not that he's not good. And he, but, well, it's hard to read. But, yeah. but that being said, he's a great storyteller. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. there, there's a mm -hmm. there's a skill and there's an artisan and a craftsmanship yeah. to all of that and you know, storytelling. And and to your point about something earlier, some are better at it than others. In fairness, right. I mean, we all. It's like I people, you know, it's really big right now. This is going to go off on another tangent, but it is related to art. Sweet, <laughs> it's really big right now. Storytelling. 
Yeah. Storytelling. What's your story? Storytelling in business. Yeah. Storytelling in the church. And yeah. You know, I, I, I attend a church here locally who I, I, I really enjoy going to, and they're a large church and all this stuff, but it was all about their story and what's mm. your story. All about. And there's nothing mm. wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-mm. But I will say this, just because you have a story doesn't mean I'm going to read it. <laughs> True. Right? Not everybody's <laughs> stories are worthy of of vast readership. I'm not yeah. saying yeah. it shouldn't be told. Or anything of that nature. But I, what I mean by it all is there is a craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. There is an artisanship mm-hmm. to telling a, a story well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just like playing the same music, but it sounds differently. Yeah. There, right? There's a craftsmanship to that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like everybody, you know, I, I, my joke on that years ago was when I was growing up, this is before UFC and all the fighting stuff, but it was just mm. boxing. And people are like, so-and-so is boxing so-and-so, and they're getting $20 million. I'd box so-and-so for $20 million. And my response is, yeah, but I wouldn't pay 35 bucks to <laughs> yeah. see you boxing. I don't want to see you boxing. Right. There's <laughs> a, the element of value for what we're getting. Yeah. And, and yeah. I know that's, again, a different thing to come at related to art. But I do think it speaks a little bit to, it's like, how many times... Mm. How many times have you been somewhere, Paul, either on the computer or with someone, maybe even in the gallery where there's an abstract? Specifically, it's usually mm. abstract. And someone says, oh, I could have done that. And my response is, yeah, but you didn't. Yeah. And Jackson Pollock did. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a, there's this giving art. And it's not maybe it's not even some of that art. It's not even really my thing, if you will. Mm. But I have to recognize yeah. that attention to the craftsmanship and, and to a – to, to a vision that maybe I didn't see or don't see. Hmm. Even. Yeah. And that's, what's funny about abstract art. I, it's funny. Cause I, I've definitely been one to make fun of it at times. <laughs> and, but it is funny. It's like the idea of who's doing it and who's not doing it, but also there's abstract art that I absolutely love. Yeah. Cause it's like, it speaks to me in a way that you ever, art, ha- other art hasn't. And there's other pieces like, I don't care. <laughs> One of my favorites is this any work by Mark Rothko. Have you ever seen Rothko's work? It's a lot of Sounds colors. familiar. It's color. Some of it is like, it's titled like red on black. Mm. And it's this red black rectangle. And, I'm, and mm. I don't know why, but it's amazing, especially when you see it in person. And it's this six foot by four foot red mm. on black thing. And it's, it's an amazing. And to your point, I don't know why it speaks. Yeah. But it does. Yeah. In, in, a, in an interesting way. Um, Alexander Calder's mobiles, he has these hanging mm. things or like that. They're they're abstract kind of mobile things that float around with the breeze or whatever. But yeah. they're phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and and so that again, a whole nother digression as to why <laughs> some art works, yeah. let's call it, and some doesn't. Well, I'll even say for myself, so one of my one of my friends back in Ohio um paints a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's Isaiah. Isaiah, cheers to you. <laughs> yeah. And so he gave me a piece uh last year for Christmas. And I wasn't expecting it, but I was super happy to to get it. And I actually have it framed in my house, and I have it I have it up. And it's funny because when I look at it, it it brings me a lot of joy. Right. So it's a very abstract piece. It's just lines. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know layers of color on top of each other, and it goes from like a light gradient to a cooler gradient, a hot to cool kind right. of thing. So it's in a lot of ways when you look at it, it's like oh, it's like a sunrise, or it's just a like a rainbow of colors in a sense. Right. And it's funny because to me, when I look at it, it brings me warmth and it makes me feel good. It's like I love looking at this piece. Yeah, pretty much like ninety percent of people walking to my house could care less about it. Well, and, and if you ask, so so that's and here's what I love about art. So you ask yeah. your friend Isaiah, "What is this? What did you were trying to do?" And he says, "Oh, well, I was trying to blah 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 blah." 
Right. And he looks at you and goes, what does it mean to you? And you go, oh, well, to me, it's just about blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And someone else comes in your home and go, huh, that's just a thing about blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And yeah. No, and nobody's wrong. It's true. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I mean, uh, technically, somebody's wrong. Right? Technically, I mean, the, the artist interpretation is the correct one, right? But right. there's, but in terms of writing, there's a famous line where, as a writer, when you let the book go, mm. you you're gone. It doesn't mm. matter what you thought mm. or you tried to do. Yeah, what the audience does with it is what the audience, the reader, or whatever, it does <laughs> with it, right? And I meant to do it. Oh, sorry, that's not what they. That's not how it that's works. What we got. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and so. My son likes to give me a hard time because I taught him growing up you know, if, about jokes, right? If I got to mm. explain it to you, it ain't funny. And so in, in terms of art, you know, like, oh, I'm, this is what I meant to. Nope, sorry. Right. Yeah. You, you don't get to explain it. We didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is what it is. And, and I, that's, that's huge to say for communication. Yeah. That, where it's like there is – and it, it's funny because this relates to God in a huge way. Right. Where it's like you have this divine knowledge, this perfect communicator – Going through these very bad transmitters. Yes. And I'm pointing at myself for anyone not knowing. Right. Anyone listening. And it's like, yeah, that's there's a breakdown in communication that yeah. happens there. And that can happen with art too. You can have this person who's been divinely inspired to create this piece of art, but then it has to go through this funnel of poor transmitters, poor receivers, I'll say. Good point. Yeah. And we receive it differently sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know <laughs> and it's interesting too about how uh, you know that trust level that both that God has with us, yeah, that He doesn't have to have. I mean, I've, there's an old, old kind of apocryphal story about how Jesus is up in heaven and He's talking with the angels, or God's talking with. I'm sorry about it. And he's like, okay, mm. here's the story. I'm sending Jesus. This is what's going to happen. And the, the angels are like, well, I don't know. You know, <laughs> you mean that when He comes back, that the people are going to tell him what's Plan B? And God famously says, there is no Plan B. Mm. Right. This is how I'm this is how mm. I'm choosing to spread mm. the gospel. That's a lot of trust. And I think <laughs> yeah. bringing it to art, right? You let it go <laughs> and you trust that it gets there, but it it may not. Yeah. And and you know, I but and I I for me, it's not that I don't appreciate abstract work, you know, visual work, even mm. there is some I've read some funky, bizarre <laughs> fiction. I'm mm. a big fiction fan, and I'm, I get to end up with my wife. I said, what's that about? And I go, honey, there is, I cannot tell you what this was about that I just mm. spent two days reading. But I tend to gravitate toward things that are a little less ephemeral, if I can use that phrase. Mm. Um, one of my favorite poets is the poet Billy Collins, a uh, great poet. And I like him so much because he does he takes things that are – everyday type things and he translates them in an artistic way that just mm. works so for a quick example he has a poem about a barking dog that keeps him up at night mm. and the name and you have to read it but the name of the poem is another reason i don't keep a gun in the house <laughs> it's it, it's like okay i get that yeah and i'm a big fan <laughs> by the way of a of a photographer here in florida clyde butcher and Clyde is famous for his massive, and when I say massive, ball, I mean like six feet by eight feet photographic oh, prints. He print, no he, way. He, he shoots on a large format, and it's of Florida's natural wonder. And the thing that wow. resonates with me, I own a couple of his prints, none of them quite that big, but I own a couple of his prints. When you go to his gallery, it's just mind-blowing. They're just massive. Wow. But the cool thing is for me is he has 
made a landscape that I'm familiar with, mm. Florida, mm. various parts of Florida, the Panhandle and all, you know, the Everglades, all that. But he's made it, he's, he's given an artistic representation to it. He's mm. made art out of stuff that was every day. Wow. And that's a really kind of cool thing. Billy Collins does that with his poetry. Mm. He makes art out of things that are every day. I tend personally to gravitate toward that more so than the abstract or the mm. ephemeral or the uh, uh, the hard to understand stuff. Yeah. I can work yeah. at it. I, I mean, like I said, I love Russian novelists. If you, if you like Russian novelists, you can work. I mean, I work <laughs> through them, but it's hard to understand. It, it's mm. it's an exercise mm. to do that sort of thing. Wow. You reminded me, especially with with the local artist. Um when I was in when I was in London at the the museum there they have uh Well you gotta be more specific than that. Which, true. Which museum the museum of art they have. <laughs> they got <laughs> that, a lot of museums. <laughs> that, that one museum of art they have. You know there. the museum the they National have. National Gallery. So it's the National Gallery. Yeah, it isn't yes. that, but just say that. Yeah, it's you know it's the National Gallery. If you go and you type in art museum in London, it's this one will pop one. up. Yeah. <laughs> And the great thing I love about those, they're all free. They are. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Like that I love the idea of that. Absolutely cool. Because it just opens it up to people. Right. Um, which is great. But the one thing I love there is they have a lot of great painting, a lot of great art. And one of which is Monet's painting yes. <laughs> of the one of the lily pads. One of the lilies, yeah. And it's funny because I've always seen this in, you know, on my computer, in, Magazine, know, in books, yeah. magazines. Yeah. And it's just like, there it is. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. I get it. Yeah. I see it in real life. It's the size of the wall. Yeah, and like you said about Clyde Butcher, it's like this painting is massive. Yeah. and what what it what it really said to me, which is funny, because like I've seen it so much. Personally, it's like it doesn't really do that much to me, but seeing it in person did a lot. Absolutely. And what it what it did was standing close. It's just blobs of paint. Like one lily pad is the size of a of a normal painting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's huge. And it's like it's massive. And then I stand back and I see it from a different perspective. And what it what it speaks to me, which is the way we see art and how it reaches people differently, is that's why, you know, that's why God asked you to to preach the gospel. That's why God asked me to preach the gospel. And he asked Trey or whoever else it right. is, because you're going to reach people I can't. I'm going to reach people you can't. And whoever else is going to in a different yeah. way, because art speaks to us differently. It grabs our attention differently. People grab our attention differently. People that turn us off. Another person might, you know, get us to pay attention. Yeah. And I think you're at your concept of perspective is so key. You know, when if not that this podcast here, this episode is specifically about this, but I think a really key element of the Gospels is perspective. Yeah. I, I, I strongly believe Jesus's major emphasis was to get us to see things, as I said, with a different set of eyes. Mm. I think that's what the parable mm. of the Good Samaritans about. Yeah. I think over and over again. You know, I mean, a perfect example is when, you know, he he had these conversations with the disciples about the rich and the wealthy, and he told this parable about the rich and, and the, the disciples. What they say? Well, who then can be saved? Mm. They didn't even understand. They mm. thought that was a wealthy thing. And Jesus is like, mm. no, 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 let me explain this to you. So that he's trying to get this shift their perspective. And here's the thing that resonates with me about that, Paul. However, thousands, twenty two thousand, two thousand years ago, whatever that is, right? It's still the same today. Yeah, Pe people don't get yeah. it. People's yeah. perspective, um, and 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 I don't mean. I mean, I know there's a danger, in, as we started off the beginning of the show about anarchic freedom of expression. Right, hmm. anything goes. I realize that. I think we're a long way from that, though. Yeah, I think we actually have come back to the limiting things in our hmm. social factors and our political factors and our 
why isn't it okay to think that Trump may have done something good? Mm. Why isn't it okay to say mm. Trump really screwed the pooch on this particular thing? He messed this thing up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It should be okay to have those same views. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yet it's not. You, yeah. you, you're right. That's the whole polarization thing. And while not getting political, you could take that into any sphere you want. Yeah. And I think the key to not feeling that way is perspective. It's mm. just learning to see things. Mm. And and I really believe, as we've talked a lot about today already, that art has a way of doing that, of getting and music yeah. and, and 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 so forth. Really, yeah, has us lets us see and hear and think and and feel things differently, even though it's the same thing, right? And I I just thought of it now, which is funny that it's taking me this long to to <laughs> make this connection. But it's like we look at we look at how did Jesus speak to the people that we see in the Gospels? People didn't like who's my neighbor? He didn't say, well, your neighbor is everyone. He said, all right, there's a Samaritan going down the road. <laughs> Let know? me tell you he a story. He told a story. Let me tell you he a story. He told art. He told, And yeah. it's like, because there's a level of transcendence to that, yeah. that he's, he's opening it up to a way you wouldn't be receptive to in yeah. another way. There's a, I don't know if you're familiar with the Christian um, artist, Michael Card. Um, musician, I don't think so. Musician, really, really good. Michael Card has a book out about Christians and art and so forth. And uh, it's an old, older book, but. He starts off with the whole image of Jesus in that in that story of the woman who's caught in adultery. Hmm. And he's focusing on the scene in which, you know, the Pharisees and I love to play these movies in my head. I don't know if you do this. I've seen this. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. The Pharisees have got him, right? They got him. <laughs> this woman's in adultery. Never mind the man that should have also been there, okay? Because sure. but the, they've got this woman. She's in adultery. It's a sh open and shut case. And they turn yeah. to this rebel Jesus teacher guy and they say, a, what are we going to do? Yeah. Because if you say not to kill her, you're violating your own law. Yeah. And if you say to kill her, okay, but how's that going to look from a PR yeah. perspective, right? It's like, hey, Jesus, here's this bull. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Here's his horns. <laughs> go, go ahead. Yeah. And Jesus brilliantly doesn't do either of those. Yeah. He says, you know, you're right. Kill her. <laughs> oh, by the way, anybody who hasn't sinned, you throw first. Yeah. And then they're like, and I, in my mind, I play this and they're like, Tossing the stone. Okay, I'm gonna go back to bed. I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, done. I'm done here. But Michael Card in his book focuses on a part of that that often gets overlooked. And you may recall there's a point in that story, in that scene, where Jesus reaches down for minutes, they don't know how long, but mm. minutes, and he yeah. just starts scribbling in the sand. Yeah. And commentators forever have debated what what was he doing? Was he writing something? Was he drawing something? Yeah. And Michael Card makes the point that whatever he was doing, he was creating, hmm. he was creating something hmm. and he was giving time for the people to cool off. And then he was going to give this, he was going to drop the bomb on him, which he did. And so, yeah. forth. um, but it's an interesting story that relates to even Jesus's creative, hmm. right. Things about hmm. whether he's drawing in the sand, who knows what he's doing, but the stories that he told, because that was all a part of, as you said earlier, communication. Yeah. Right. And we remember yeah. things that way, you know, songs and stories. You know, that's why earlier, you know, Mako Fujimura said God spoke to us first as an artist and then mm. as a lecturer because mm. you remember the art. Yeah. You remember how that made you feel. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. We're about <laughs> done here. I don't know how long we're going on. I say I actually just looked. I'm like, oh, man, we've gone for like over an hour now. <laughs> and that's usually that's usually our time right there. Yeah.
Well, so thank you. I for... didn't know if I was going to end up on the hour show or the twenty minute <laughs> show. Yeah. Oh no. Or how you guys do that? Like, we had to, if we, you made us wait this long. You're on the hour. <laughs> I didn't know. Like, uh, he stunk. Just put him on the twenty minute show. Just put him. Can on we edit it down to like four seconds? Four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Just let us tell him his name and then be done with him. <laughs> and we'll cut the episode. We'll cut the episode so. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for being on and, and ah. sharing and being open. Yeah, it's 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 a, a great experience. I like I love what you're doing. Can I do a shameless plug? Oh, of course. So I'm. Working, I was going to ask you. Yeah, I'm working. Working on some of my own creative work, um, specifically in a, a, a newsletter. I hesitate to call it a blog, but it's called Possible Things. Okay, and it's it it's not specifically spiritual, but the name comes from the verse that says, "With you know, with you know, man, these things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible." Hmm. So I'm curious as to what are these possible things that we can do hmm. creatively, inspiringly. Um, so I'm working on that as kind of, again, a newsletter and maybe a podcast where I talk to people and I write about these things that 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 make us whole, that make mm. us better. Because I think there's a lot of tearing down that we do right now. And yeah. these are just things yeah. about – and I'm not saying it's going to be this Nammy Pammy Barney the Dinosaur show, <laughs> right? You know, but I but I am working on that. I hope the listeners will will you know will maybe I'll have one of you guys on that show where we just talk about what it means to be inspiring and to, cre- mm. to be creative and what that mm. looks like. So I, I am working on that. So that's awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely have a link in, in the description for that for yeah. people to check that out. Sure. If you have one or I will have one by the time you, <laughs> the show's I ready. think, I think we're about three to four weeks out. Okay. So. All right. Wow. <laughs> so okay, I've got, we got of some time. time plenty to make of time. It work. Plenty of time. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate the plug. Sorry, Trey you. couldn't be here. Hopefully it was meaningful to him. I hope so. Yeah, hopefully yeah. you make him listen to the shows he's not on. Trey, you better listen. <laughs> I don't care about just sticking master's classes. You figure this out. Yeah. What do you got? Other stuff to do? Yeah, I know. My daughter's taking her master's program and I'm going to make her listen. So <laughs> if she has time, you have time, That's Trey. Right. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for yeah, being on. Awesome, you know, I'm, it was totally worth the wait. I'd I love so. to have you on again and I brought, with Trey. I brought booze. So it's love true. That. This is the best. He brought gifts. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I'm going to leave the photograph. Hopefully, we're going to post some maybe on the Instagram so the yeah, viewer can see it. I'd love to. Um, but I'm going to leave a photographer. I'm going to leave. You get to choose because Annie had to leave. Ooh. Which one would you like? So I love the black and white yeah, one. That's, a, that's I a, think you knew where I was going with Well, that. I have to <laughs> say, I, I had about 30 <laughs> pictures that I called keepers of the photographer of the Utah tri- uh, trip. Mm. And this is at the top two or three. That's, now, so that's cool. a good one too. The arches. I love that. Yeah. But but Canyon Awe is it just captures it what me. all of us would feel when we Yeah. And I actually came up through that and it probably did the same thing this lady's doing. <laughs> I don't remember, but I'm like, look up like, oh my. Wow. So this is yeah. your gift for Thank having you. me Thank on. Thank you. So now, I put that right it. up next to Isaiah's print, please. Oh, and, I will. And take a picture and show. And I'll show, send it to you. Send it to I'll you. send it. I'm gonna post it online so you guys can see it too. Yeah. I, I love this picture. Thank yeah. you for sharing this with me. Appreciate it. I'm glad to do it. So art's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. And yeah, thanks for being open and speaking about that. And what I will say in closing here, um, there's a whole lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> but what what I what I would love to end on is you know, there's there's so much uncertainty in life. There's so much uncertainty in just day-to-day life and whatever we go through. But the truth of the matter is, and I come back to this, I've said it already today. I'm saying it again because I just can't see any way around it. Truth is truth is truth. And right. Christ is truth. Yeah. And when we fix our eyes on that, when that is our 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 goal, that is our system, We've if we create a system in life to always point ourselves to who Christ is, 
we're gonna we're gonna end up in a good place yeah. eventually. It's yeah. gonna take us a while, right? And everybody's journey will be different in terms of yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll be you know, some are more. Let me put it this way: some are more crooked than others, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but yes, I I would agree with you, Paul. I think that's that's an excellent way to say it. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and you know, there's gonna be things. There's gonna be small things that as Christians we dis- we disagree on, right? There's going to be large things that we disagree on, and that's going to have different consequences right. to it. Um, but it's important for us to know that we're we're on this journey. Um, show grace to others who right. are in a different place, and share truth and love with those that you perceive are not in the right place. Right, and and I would add to that. Great, great points. Be humble about your truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because sometimes the things you thought were true years ago, you find out aren't. And you want to make sure, yeah. So, yeah so there's a there's a humility. I think even Jesus was such the epitome of humility, right? Yeah, he he didn't consider yeah. himself God, even though he was God. He humbled him, right? The whole thing about mm. humility, and and again, another topic for another podcast. But <laughs> it's yeah. true. But I love that, and I think that's that's one thing I'll, I'll say. Even looking at Christ, is when we see Jesus, where were the moments that he flipped tables over? That's when they made a mockery of. Of who God was. Right. The only time. Yeah. Right. When we see other points where people had questions, people lived differently, but uh, it wasn't necessarily a mockery of God. How, he showed grace and love to those people. How patient was he? I, I used to say forever. Oh, my goodness. I used to say forever. <laughs> when I, I, taught, I taught various yeah. Bible studies about, and I used to say this. I used to say, you know, the disciples, mm. if I was walking around with God as they were, I would not ask such stupid questions. And then God kind of taps me on the shoulders and he says, you are walking around with me and you, you do. do ask stupid questions. So I, I, you're right. It's about humility. And, and, yeah. and, and, it, and I think it comes to this. This is one of my truly favorite scenes in the gospel. Jesus has just finished what many of our Bibles call the hard teachings, you mm. know, about mm. divorce. And mm. he talked about the flesh of my flesh. And people are like, whoa, whoa, you got to eat people. I mean, it, it, right, it was <laughs> yeah. freaking them out. Yeah. And people, and, his, and it says, Scripture says, people are leaving him. Their disciples mm. are, oh, we got it. Mm. And he looks at his disciples and he says, are you going to leave too? Mm. And I believe it was Peter looks and says, where would we go? Yeah. Where else would we go? Yeah. Right. It, yeah. No matter how crazy all this seems, you are the truth. Mm. And so I always mm. come back to that. No matter how nuts it gets, where else am I going to go? Yeah. Right. He he is the savior. So. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything more than that. Yeah. I love that. That's a great place to end. Thank you so much to Maximize Digital Media and Annie Uli for producing this episode. Daryl, thank you for being on. Happy to be here. Happy to stare at Chris Sandlong's lovely face the entire show. Yes. <laughs> She's right here on our screen yes, staring yes, back. Yeah. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Um, it's been a great journey we've been on through this ep- through this podcast as we've grown and, and learned. And I look forward to continuing growing and learning with all of you. Yep. Thanks for having me. We'll catch you next time. Yep.